Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas odds maker. And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence. And now, let's get it on. Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence. Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're set to go against the spread on this week's NFL and college football bowl cards as we wind down the 2017 college football season and the NFL down to the stretch run portion of the season as well. And with that, I want to welcome our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports. Victor, how was your week all in all last week as we get ready for Christmas? A little bit of a bad taste in my mouth in regards to pro football, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in our NFL segment. Uh, Decent start for the bowls as well. And in fact, uh, as we record the show here on Wednesday morning, six bowl games have been played thus far, and it's been uh, a good run thus far for the underdogs. Underdogs have gone four and two ATS, but even more important, four and two straight up so far. Outright underdog wins so far in the bowls for Georgia State over Western Kentucky in the Cure Bowl. For Boise against Oregon in the Las Vegas Bowl, that was a nice one in which I believe we both hit the right side when we talked about it in last week's show. Uh, Marshall with the outright underdog win over Colorado State in the New Mexico Bowl. Obviously a place that Colorado State had no interest in playing in. And then in this Saturday night game in Middle Tennessee State with the outright underdog win over Arkansas State in the Camellia Bowl. So not only have dogs gone four and two against the spread, but four and two straight up. And for you over betters, four overs thus far, two unders also. Yeah, it's been a nice start for the underdogs in the college football bowl season as we speak right now, Victor. As you mentioned here, no good luck for Akron. They play Tuesday night in the Boca Raton Bowl, and uh, it was a football game that uh, I'm a little sad to say as a resident of South Florida here to watch Lane Kiffin just go crazy mad. A ridiculous showing by him just not letting his foot off the pedal against an uh, undermanned football team and going for two points when you're up 36-3 to three and uh, just doing all the, all the things that you're not supposed to do, what you teach your kids not to be is what he is. And, uh, you know, all I can say is what goes around comes around for Lane Kiffin. I, I know he signed this six-year contract extension down here at FAU, and there's most people down here are wondering how many years of those six he'll make here. The over-under is probably like about six days uh, as opposed to six years. But nonetheless, he did a great job with his Florida Atlantic football team this year. He took them from three three-win seasons to their best season ever in college football this year. As you mentioned before the show, Victor, he's going to open up the season in Oklahoma against the Oklahoma Sooners. So we'll see what he's all about in that particular showdown. But all in all, a good start for the college dogs so far in the college bowl games and if you haven't got your copy yet guys if you're listening out there of the playbook college bowl stat report i highly encourage you to do just that it's just jam-packed with all kinds of winning information about the bowl games statistics trends stats analysis just the, everything you'll want all on the tip of your fingers how teams do did against other bowl teams this year it's the college football bowl stat report you can get a copy online at playbook.com 
checking out the College Football Bowl stat report. It'll be your best buy you'll make this college football bowl season. Victor, before we turn it over to the NFL side of things, speaking about the college football bowl games, we're going to end up sooner than later, and we'll get into this probably more like next week's show than uh, a little bit deeper into this week's show. But uh, what's going to be unique is coming down to the stretch run when we get into these major bowl games, and we'll settle it all up with the college football playoffs. And uh, uh, any interesting take you saw as far as the college football teams that made the playoffs, the four teams, anything that uh, – a little hint that you might give the people out there of what to expect, maybe from an over-under standpoint when it comes to the handicapping these college football bowl playoffs. Again, we'll we'll hit most of it next week, but uh, in regards to the Georgia-Oklahoma game, one of the uh, you know big four teams playing each other in the playoff, our number is kind of different, different uh, fairly significantly in that particular game, despite the line move. It opened at 60. It's come down to 58. I've got our uh, database simulations suggesting this game is going to be a lot higher scoring than people think the Georgia-Oklahoma game, somewhere around 68, 69 points. So there might be value in that game over the total, especially with the fact that the line has come down a point or two. Uh, That's all I really got in terms of uh, totals for the big four teams that'll be playing each other there on new year's day. The one thing that I wanted to mention is uh, we talked all season about some of the great hires in college football. And you know what? The Razorbacks may have gotten the best guy of the bunch Mark when they signed SMU coach Chad Morris to a big contract, a guy who really turned around the Mustang program in his first year, two and 10, 2015 improvement last year to five and seven They made the bowls this year, SMU did. In fact, they'll be playing today on Wednesday, the day we record the podcast in that bowl game against Louisiana Tech. Seven and five this season. He was the architect, of course, of high-scoring offenses at Texas high schools and Clemson before rebuilding the program. It looks like right now Arkansas has finally got their man. I couldn't agree more, Victor. I think he was an excellent hire. I think he's been the best hire so far of the college football bowl coaches. He did a terrific job when he was at Clemson, was the offensive coordinator. He put helped put uh, them on the map with Dabble Swinney over there before he left to take the job at SMU. And as you mentioned, he resurrected that program. I think he'll be a perfect fit for the Razorbacks this football season here. So we'll keep an eye on what they do during the offseason here. But Arkansas, look for them to be on the uptick starting next football season with Chad Morris at the reins you're tuned in to mark lawrence against the spread the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show let's move it over to the nfl side of things victor and uh before we get to that commentary about the ugly finish in that pittsburgh new england football game let me review with you real quickly here about where the playoff picture stands right now because of that result new england beats pittsburgh at least on the scoreboard <laughs> at least the officials said they beat them but uh now they are now the number one seed, the Pitts, or the Wingland Patriots are, in the AFC. Number two, Pittsburgh. Number three, Jacksonville. Number four, Kansas City. Tennessee and Buffalo round out the top six seeds in the AFC side of things heading into this weekend. And on the outside looking in, this is a wild race in the AFC. You've got number seven, Baltimore. Number eight, the Chargers, who take on the Jets in New York this weekend. Number nine, Oakland. And number 10, Miami, still mathematically alive about a 2% chance to make the playoffs, but still nonetheless alive in the playoff chase. On the NFC side of things, 
Number one seed still, the Philadelphia Eagles holding serve, if you will, with Nick Foles, now their new quarterback. Number two, the Minnesota Vikings, followed by number three, the L.A. Rams, the upstart Rams. Number four, New Orleans, rounded out by Carolina and Atlanta in the five and six spots with Detroit, Seattle, and Dallas, seven, eight, nine, all alive in the playoff chase as well. And a lot is going to be said about where teams are going to be positioned going into the final week of the season because we've got quite a few teams that are playing one another this week. So keep an eye on this NFL playoff chase. And as I mentioned, Victor here, uh, most of our listeners out there who joined us for our Big Ten Star NFL Game of the Year this past weekend were left with a very bad taste in their mouth. Uh, Maybe whether they pushed the game or lost the game, uh, because we used Pittsburgh in the contest. They either had two and a half or three points in the game. Uh, I think it serves well. Uh, Richard Rathburn, who is a, a real loyal playbook supporter, a supporter of ours and follower on our coffee club, and he dropped me an email in the coffee club and asked if we could discuss a little bit about the importance of buying a half point. When we do that, when are the times that are critical and important to do that? And I think there's never been a better time to discuss this than right now particularly involving the Pittsburgh-New England football game. And to that, I'll say this, that whenever you're considering a play and your play is involving any dog or a favorite of a game with three or seven, minus three or minus seven Mm -hmm. in the football games, those are the two key critical numbers that you absolutely have to position yourself in on before you make your play. And it means making that move long in advance of when the football game plays. Whenever you're contemplating that play you see those numbers make your move don't wait until game day because we saw in the pittsburgh new england football game on sunday that game was three on friday three a lot of the throughout the day on saturday and it moved pretty steady to two and a half on sunday and a move like that if you wait till the, uh, sunday and if you don't buy your half point you're left holding the bag as you were with pittsburgh on sunday at plus two and a half now, the other side of the equation is this in buying points is they're charging you strongly to buy a half a point, especially at plus three, maybe not as much at plus seven, but at plus three, they'll charge a 20% extra VIG on a game like that. So it's critically important to find, obviously, uh, the best money line value when buying that point. If you had to buy, If you buy the point... At three, it's three minus 15 cents, and you're going to go up to three minus 35 or three minus 40. Then you have to be you have to be pretty stout about your play if you're going to lay 35 or 40 cents to buy your three. But if you can get that game when it's three minus 05 or three minus e, three even, then you can get that game plus three minus a dollar 20 cents. That's the position that you need to take in buying half points. Buy them on three, buy them on seven, but more importantly, look to buy them when. It's not going to cost you as much. It's just, it's just like going to uh, buying a car. Uh, you're going to want to spend, obviously, the best price and get the best value, the best bang for your buck. Well, when you're buying points, the best bang for your buck is tough to find when you're betting on threes and betting on sevens. But look long and hard for those games where the three moves off the three and the and the and the the line value the the cost of the game is going to be beneficial in your favor here. Any other thoughts you might have, Victor, on buying half points in football games? No, in fact, those are the only two numbers in which you should pay a little bit extra in buying on or off, threes or sevens. Uh, Nine and a half, ten, ten and a half, don't worry about it. When we get up into the 14s, don't worry about it. Obviously, those are the two key numbers. More NFL games finish on three or on seven than any other key number there is. So those are the only two 
that uh, you should potentially think of buying on or off in regards to that particular game. The only thing worse, if you ask me, was for the guy who not only bet the Pittsburgh Steelers, but the guy who bet the Pittsburgh Steelers and over the total. And there was a lot of us. Uh, I was one of them, definitely. You saw how the game ended. I'm still confused by some of these freaking rules in the NFL. I put this all on Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger. Pittsburgh dominated the game. You saw the game. They're the ones who had over 400 offensive yards. New England didn't. Pittsburgh's the one who had over 140 rushing yards. New England didn't. Pittsburgh was dominating that game from the get-go. They deserved that win, and they didn't get it with some questionable play calling at the end of that game. Again, the result was if you had Pittsburgh plus three, you tied. But again, for the over-under betters, I thought it was a Christmas miracle. I thought, that's what, in fact, what my wife shot it out. The game went over the total. We scored the touchdown. We got a Christmas miracle. Hold on. There's a flag. Let's review it. Was it a successful catch? Did he fumble the ball? Did he reach his hand over the goal line? Was it a robbery for Jesse James? A tough, tough outcome if you were on the over in that game and if you were on the Pittsburgh Steelers in that game. A bitter outcome. All we needed was for Ben Roethlisberger to spike the ball at the end of the game. What sort of smart, knowledgeable quarterback zips the ball in the middle of the field in which there are six defenders and only one offensive player in which he risks the ball being tipped and intercepted like it happened? Who does that? Not a veteran quarterback. Uh, you never see Tom Brady doing that. Again, I we put this on Tomlin. I put it on Roethlisberger. Uh, my final thought in this game, and here we are 72 hours later, and I still have a bad taste in my mouth, but... Let me say this. Uh, there is a guy in the NFL, there's a head coach in the NFL who's always 10 steps ahead of everybody else. I found out on Monday that New England has a rule. They have a team rule for their offensive players that Belichick has instituted. And that rule is that you are not allowed to reach for the pylon with one hand on the ball. You are not allowed to reach over the goal line if you have one hand on the ball. All offensive players. If a New England offensive player does that, they're going to take a seat on the bench. So this is a guy that already had that contingency planned for if it happened on the other side. Bill Belichick, obviously the smartest head coach in the NFL. He would never have risked that situation that Jesse Dames did the tight end for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That game also, Victor, affected uh, not only the point spread or the over-under total, but also a lot of season win totals for those two football teams as well. There was a huge, huge, huge amount of money that uh, – that switched hands in, as a result of that football game. And hopefully the bottom line to this whole thing, I don't want to belabor the point, is that uh, the NFL will indeed review this ridiculous, archaic rule they have about completing a pass and letting the, uh, uh, letting the ball, uh, the ground cause a, a score to be reversed and reverted in a football game. Uh, Mike Tomlin even made the comment that he was on the committee, by the way, in the uh, in the review of uh, the famous Des Bryant case, or the Calvin Johnson case, it was, mm -hmm. I believe, it was Calvin Johnson case, and right. uh, he, he and he was on the committee and decided not to change that rule, so it ends up biting him in the end. But the bottom line is this: this is just a, a bad, bad rule that absolutely needs to be changed, and I'll be stunned 
If it's not, uh, we'll leave, leave that sleeping dog lie to rest because there's nothing we can do about it. But, uh, you know, the bottom line is a change will be coming down the road for sure in the National Football League when it comes to what is a touchdown and what isn't a touchdown. Moving on, Victor, let's talk a little bit about uh, the favorites and what they did last week in the National Football League. They just absolutely dominated again. Uh, not one favorite lost a football game straight up. Every favorite won the football contest here, and I don't know what the tally was to the spread. It had to be really, really good. I just know this. I was listening to VEASAN the other day, and uh, they had commented that uh, over the last seven weeks, favorites 78, 43, and 8 to the spread overall. Quite a run for favorites in the National Football League down the stretch the second half of the football season here. Victor, what's your take? What do you have as far as favorites go and maybe what happened last week? you got to throw two asterisks out there. San Diego KC was basically a pick game at kickoff of that Saturday night game. And in some cases, so were the Rams-Seattle game, although I think there was a very late line move that made the Rams a one-point favorite in that game. So in our database, I've got favorites going 9-4-2 ATS. Another fantastic week for the favorites. You mentioned a perfect 15-0 and straight up for favorites or 14-0, and depending on, again, what your line was in that Seattle-LA Rams game. But it was historic. Uh, all 14 teams that were favored went a perfect 4-0. It was only the third time since 1978 that this occurred in a week in the NFL that every favorite won the game outright. And from what I hear, and maybe we'll get a little more insight from Andy, was that there, there were multiple teasers in which people simply picked the favorite to win the game that cashed in Las Vegas over the weekend. So a, a historic day in the NFL. And uh, as you mentioned from what you heard with the guys there at VEASAN, it's been an uh, incredible run for the chalk teams in the NFL. Super run this year for favorites in the National Football League. Leaves a bad taste in my mouth being the underdog lover that I am. But nonetheless, we'll deal the cards that have been dealt to us thus far this football season here. Uh, moving on, two other quick thoughts before we go out to our college football bowl game of the week. From our good friend Steve Crabb, the Texas Tornado. No chip on the shoulder plays this week. He's going to suspend those plays for the rest of the football season this week and next uh, I might have thought I would have seen the Seattle Seahawks be nominated this week. A football team that was thoroughly red-faced, embarrassed last week. But uh, a lot of his contingency and part of those plays is based on those being prime-time losses. Maybe a lot of the country didn't see that loss, but I'm sure the players in the Seattle Seahawks are well aware of how badly beaten they were last year. So if there's a supplementary play, it might be the Seattle Seahawks this week. And one other quick note here. Uh, I had tweeted out last night. I got it from a good friend of mine. Uh, sent me a, a notice last night. This is kind of a unique stat, but if you go back since December of 2011, Hugh Jackson, the Cleveland Browns head coach, is 2-0 and in games that his teams have played on Christmas Eve. He's 0-32 in all other games. <laughs> uh, that's since 2011. John Fox, the coach he's playing up against in Chicago this Sunday, is 0-2 in his career on Christmas Eve. So the bottom line is maybe you can look for Santa to clog up the Chicago chimney in Christmas this Eve. I think the Cleveland Browns, that stat aside, win their first football game of the season, their only game of the season when they take on Chicago. Another sidebar note to that, the Chicago Bears under John Fox have never won a football game as a favorite. They've been favored seven times. They've lost all seven games straight up on the scoreboard. So 
Christmas Eve, Santa Claus, John Fox. It looks like maybe the Cleveland Browns smell their first victory of the season this Sunday in Chicago. We'll keep an eye on that as well. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I are going to tear down our college football bowl game of the week. We've got a beauty in the Armed Forces Bowl. That and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Hey, sports fans. Football season is here, and it's time to get in on the action. MyBookie.ag is an industry-leading website that offers odds and action on your favorite games. Take advantage of the MyBookie specials before they're gone. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or visit us online at MyBookie.ag to open an account. Pull out your smartphone to sign up with our user-friendly mobile site for on-the-go action. What are you waiting for? Come join mybookie.ag today. Call toll-free at 844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Only the biggest, only the best, only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new Coffee Club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow Coffee Club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the Coffee Club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. All right, guys, welcome back once again. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread on this week's College and Pro Football Guards. It's time for our College Football Bowl game of the week. We're going to hop out to the Armed Forces Bowl when Army takes on San Diego State in the Armed Forces Bowl this week. Victor, your take on the cadets and the Aztecs in this Armed Forces Bowl showdown game. Absolutely. Saturday, 3.30 Eastern, Amen G. Carter Stadium, Fort Worth, Texas, home of the TCU Horned Frogs. And if you like running games, this one's got it. That is for sure. Army leads the nation, of course, with 355 yards per game on the ground. And San Diego State, very good rush numbers as well. Number 11 rush offense, 252 rushing yards per game. Army, 58 rushes per game. San Diego State, 46. You're not going to be seeing a lot of passing plays on this ground. What you will be seeing is the leading rusher in all the NCAA, Rashad Penny, on display for a ground game that finished 12th in the nation for San Diego State. And, yes, he's playing. He shouldn't. He probably shouldn't. He's got nothing left to prove. He's got everything to lose. But he is playing and arguably the best running back in college football. Don't forget his Aztecs did beat Bryce Love's Stanford team this season. From a statistical standpoint, it all points to a low-scoring game, and that's the way it has looked as far as the over-under line. It opened 50. I made a small play at the under at the opening line of 50, and here we are on Wednesday morning. It's come down a full four points to 46. I don't know how much value we have left in regards to the game uh, going under the total at that current line. We will say this. San Diego State, their last seven games against independent foes, a perfect 0-7 to the under. They've also gone 1-4 over-under in their last five bowl games. 
and that included last year in the Las Vegas Bowl against Houston, a 34-10 Aztec win that, again, went under the total. For Army, their last four visits, or their last four games against Mountain West opponents, all four have gone under the total, of course, most of those being against Air Force. They are a low-scoring team in December. We talked about it during the Army-Navy preview. 5-16, and 16, their last 21 games. That's five overs, 16 unders for Army. Is the line already too low in this game? It's definitely getting in that range. Based on the point spread, San Diego State favored by 6.5 to 7, and the over-under line, the anticipated final score, 26-20. to 20. And... Most of the value has been sucked out of this play. The time to play the over would have been the opening number of 50. With that said, I think it's going to be a little closer game than people anticipate in terms of the underdog. And I love getting an underdog of a touchdown or more, particularly in a bowl game for a team that figures to outrush their opponent. That'll definitely be the case with Army. One more stat. The last three Armed Forces Bowls have all been very, very high scoring. 3-0 3-0 over under last three years. 93 points last year when Louisiana Tech played Navy. 91 points in 2015 when Cal played Air Force. And 69 points in 2014 when Houston played Pitt. I'm about value. There was some value at 50. There's not much there at 46. And it'll probably go down even more as we approach the Saturday kickoff. But I think there's uh, Army's a dog worthy in this game. And as long as the line is at six and a half or more, I think that might be worthy of a play. Victor likes the Army side of this football game here. He's a lot of running in this football contest as well. Uh, any lean side, Victor, uh, that you're going to commit to to the total in this football game, or is it more to the Army? Uh, it's more to the Army. Uh, right now, the over-under line, it's going to do nothing but continue to plummet. It's going to probably get down to 45, maybe even 44. So there'll be no value on the under at a line there. Uh, I'd much rather take the underdog getting close to a touchdown in the game. I'm with Victor in this game as well. Army getting a touchdown in this football contest looks to be the appealing side. They come in with a lot of momentum. Do the cadets in this football game that won their first commander in chief trophy since 1996. And they've defeated Navy to do that. And interesting note in bowl games, Army went off of a win over Navy five and one to the spread. That's a pretty good number. As Victor mentioned, the number one rushing offense in all of college football this year, pounding it out for 356 yards a game on the ground. They've done a great job under Jeff Monken, their head coach here. The first two years that he had the program, they stumbled. They were 6-16 six and 16 the first two years under Monken, but they've really come on the past two years, winning 17 of their last 25 games over the past two years, 8-1 and one their last nine games coming into this football contest. There are a lot of momentum for Army in this game. San Diego State comes in. They fared well, have the Aztecs in games against other military-type teams. Type, I should say, Army, Navy, and Air Force. San Diego State's gone 10-1 and straight up, 8-3 and to the number since 2010 in games against military teams. They bring the number 13-ranked rush offense into this contest here. That's keyed by Rashad Penny, the leading rusher in all of college football this football season here. He's done a great job so far. Uh, filling the shoes, if you will, at San Diego State as far as the running back position goes. Rocky Long, the head coach, has really struggled in bowl games. He's only 4-7 and seven straight up and against the spread in his 11 career games in bowl games. 1-5 and five straight up in ATS when coming off back-to-back wins. The key stat in the football contest from our college football bowl stat report, 
Military teams in bowl games when they face 600 or greater opponents are 22-4 and four against the spread. That's a powerful number to an Army football team that brings a lot of momentum into the game. I'll take the points with Victor with Army for my side in this Armed Forces Bowl showdown football game. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I are going to tear down our NFL Game of the Week. We had a beauty in the NFC Conference. We'll also hop out to Las Vegas and check with our good friend Andy Isco to find the Vegas vibe and what's going on in Vegas when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as an apple and g as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. The only football newsletter in America devoted exclusively to NFL over-under totals. The totals tip sheet is a must-read if you're serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season. Get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from Victor King, the NFL totals guru at playbook.com. The totals tip sheet has got you totally covered this football season. It's the best reference source of its kind in the nation. Get your totals tip sheet today at playbook.com and enjoy the winners. Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread on this week's College and Pro Football Cards. It's time for our NFL Game of the Week. Inside the NFC Conference, we've got a potential playoff preview when the Atlanta Falcons take it to the Bayou to take on the Saints in New Orleans Victor, your take on this big NFC South division battle between the Falcons and the Saints. I think it's literally the NFL game of the week. Before I get into it, I know I waffled a little bit with my Army-Navy over-under selection, but that doesn't mean that there's a couple of bowl games in the next seven days in which I do like in terms of over and under. So let me just throw these out real quick. I do like Fresno and Houston over the total on Sunday in the Hawaii Bowl. I'm agreeing with the line move. Open at 46. It's up to 49. Uh, it should be a fun day. A lot of points there in Hawaii. And uh, we're looking at Fresno Houston over on Sunday. And then next Wednesday in the Pinstripe Bowl, Iowa Boston College under the total. Another game in which I, in which I am agreeing with the line move. Open 46 and a half, down to 45 there. Pinstripe Bowl under the total. Iowa, Iowa versus Boston College. In terms of this game, hats off to the NFC South Division. By far the best division in pro football. Three teams out of the four have nine or more wins this season. Atlanta, New Orleans, and Carolina. And this literally is one of the only two or three games this week in the NFL, which actually means something, or at least have two significant winning teams facing each other. New Orleans opened five and a half. They're up to around six as we speak. Over underline opened at 53 and a half. It has come down a full point to about 52 and a half as we record the show here on uh, Wednesday morning. 
If this were 2016, I would definitely be all over it, pun intended. Atlanta was one of our favorite over teams last season, 16-2-1 over under, including all their playoff games. However, it's all come back, and they've actually one of the better under teams this season. The Atlanta Falcons have gone 5-9 and nine over under this year. Defensive improvement, the explosive offense of last season, not there in the 2017 season. A lot of people are saying it's because of the offensive coordinator change, and it could very well be. The Saints were a 9-7 and seven over-under team last year. Just about the same record this year, 8-6 and six over-under for the Saints. In terms of home and away splits, Atlanta, 2-5 and over-under at home this season, only 40.3 points per game. Their road games have gone 3-4 and over-under, 45.5, almost a full touchdown more on the road. For the Saints, historically, a very good over-home team. They don't, they don't call Mercedes-Benz Stadium the Coors Field of football for nothing. <laughs> Saints games 5-2 and two over under this season at home, 55 points per game. They've gone about two touchdowns less on the road. Saints road games only 42.5. These home away splits, this is one of the reasons that we went under the total in Atlanta when these two teams played each other just two short weeks ago. A game in which the over-under line was 51 and a half. Final score was 20 to 17. The under hit very, very easily. Again, like I say, if this were 2016, I'd be on the over very, very quickly. But it is not, and things change in the NFL. This series the, between the two teams, the last 10 meetings have gone three, six, and one over-under, with an average of 49.4 points per game. But with that said. The last uh, seven games played in the Big Easy have gone 6-2-1 and one over under. Average of 55.4 points per game. I mentioned defensive improvement, and you got it in spades for both teams. Atlanta last year, number 27 defense, number 27 scoring defense. They've improved to number 9 defense this year, number 10 scoring defense, allowing only 20.1 points per game. That's about five points per game less than compared to last year's numbers. And the Saints' defensive numbers, this is one of the reasons they wouldn't been one of the best teams in the NFL. Their improvement on defense. They were the number 31 scoring defense last year. They allowed 28.1 points per game. They've improved all the way to number nine this season at 20.1 points per game allowed. They've improved by more than a touchdown per game, minus 8.3. So with that said, we're passing right now. No opinion on the game. Yes, the line is going down. Give me a couple more days to hit our database out with some of the situations in regards to this game. Right now, I will pass. But if we do have a play in the game, Mark, we'll definitely put it up at the playbook.com website in the next couple of days. Victor passes for now in the Atlanta-New Orleans football game. Feels the oddsmakers have put a pretty tight number <laughs> up on this football game. He'll evaluate it a little bit further as we get closer to game day. Check it out at playbook.com for any late-breaking information from Victor on this football game. Atlanta Falcons come into the contest here 9-5 and five this football season. That's identical to the record they were at last year at game 14 of the season. When they went on to make it to the Super Bowl, they made that run all the way to the Super Bowl with a 9-5 and five record at this stage of the football season as well. The Falcons trail both New Orleans and Carolina by one game in the NFC 
division. It's really a tight, tight division here. As Victor mentioned here, quite a great job by the NFC South this football season here. Should the Atlanta Falcons win out, they will indeed win the NFC South. So they're playing much, much like they were last year to win out and continue their run, make it back to the Super Bowl. They feel at least they have a chance to do just that. One win in their last two games, however, will clinch a playoff berth for the Atlanta Falcons here. Interesting to note that last year, Matt Ryan uh, in his football season, his MVP season he had last year at uh, the end of the season with uh, 4,336 yards, 32 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. This year, he's got 3,490 passing yards on 18 TDs and 11 interceptions. So his numbers are down dramatically from what they were last year. Nothing close to an MVT type season, MVP type season for Matty Ryan here. The Falcons have fared well in Monday Night Football games of late. The last 13 times under the Monday Night Lights, they've won nine of those games straight up, going 11-2 and two to the spread. New Orleans comes in here playing with triple revenge exec. They lost to the Falcons just two weeks ago in Atlanta. That makes a triple revenge exec for the Saints, and that's normally a good situation for NFL football teams playing with that triple revenge chip on their shoulder. The Saints, however, just 1-4 and four to the spread their last five football games after they had that monster 7-0 straight-up in ATS run. So they're coming back to earth here, uh, evening things out, uh, back to the norm for the New Orleans Saints of late here. In fact, in the series, if you take a look at the series, as a home favorite, New Orleans just 5-23 and to the spread. They haven't been good laying points in the series here, going back a long, long way. I mentioned Matty Ryan earlier this year. He's really, really good, been good in the month of December on the road, where he's 15-6 and against the spread. The Falcons themselves, 13-2 and to the spread as dogs in the month of December against opponents that are off a home win. Put a gun to my head, I'm going to lean to the Atlanta Falcons in this football game here. I don't think it's a big, strong play. I think this is a football game more to watch than to play. But the bottom line, I played the Falcons plus the points if I had to make a side in this football game. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, let's hop out to Las Vegas for one of our favorite segments on the show as we visit with our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, aside from the Vegas Golden Knights, how's everything else going in Las Vegas these days? Everything is going quite well, Mark. I'm uh, in the midst of trying to get my hands around the historically poor performance of the Cleveland Browns that continue to get backed. Even last week against the Baltimore Ravens, the uh, Cleveland Browns were uh, bet as the line went from seven down to six and a half. Going back to the start of last season, the Browns are now one and 29 straight up and seven and 23 ATS. And just to put that in perspective, were Cleveland to cover its final two games this year and then cover all 16 games next year, they would be 25-23 and 23 against the spread, which while just above 500, still would show a net loss of 0.3 units for a three-year period. That has to be not just historically bad, but historically bad by a wide margin. And for a team that just rehired their coach <laughs> uh, to unbelievably continue to carry that torch forward here. I don't know if you I know you know you didn't catch earlier on in the show, Andy, but a good friend of mine, Stormin Norman from Philadelphia, had sent me a notice last night. I tweeted it out about uh, Hugh Jackson and uh, in his career, uh, or I should say, since December of 2011, Hugh Jackson is two and zero on Christmas Eve. He's zero and thirty two in all other football games. So, <laughs> so with the game being played in Chicago on Christmas Eve this year, perhaps there's a win in sight somewhere for the Cleveland Browns and Hugh Jackson. But uh, those numbers you mentioned here I w- are running. 
Go ahead. I'm I was sorry. going to say that I was going to say with his luck, he would have been scheduled to play on uh, Saturday this year, the day before Christmas Eve. But maybe <laughs> maybe it's a sign of good things that he gets to play on Christmas Eve. Maybe it is. Maybe that's what's in the Christmas stocking for the Hugh Jackson family this football season here. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Andy publishes one of the best newsletters in the country called The Weekly. It's the Logical Approach football newsletter. This week's newsletter deals with the penultimate week in the NFL. Penultimate, that's kind of like, uh, to me, it's like the salutorian of valedictorians, uh, the second to last, second, but uh, nonetheless, Andy does a great job reviewing the second to last week, the penultimate week in the NFL this week in his newsletter, and he also breaks down 15 big college football bowl games with sides and total projections. You want to get your hands on a copy of Andy's newsletter, The Logical Approach. Go to thelogicalapproach.com to do just that, just in time for the bowl games this weekend. Andy, we're down to the final two weeks of the Westgate Superbook contest here, and I guess it's going to be crunch time. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but this thing looks like it might be kind of wide open coming down to the stretch run. Yeah, uh, let me just review what happened last week and then give you a look at the leaderboard. Last week was a very good week overall as the consensus plays all 16 games, actually 9-4-3. and three. It's unusual that there were three pushes and they were actually the uh, final three games on Sunday as the Patriots-Steelers game landed three, as did the 49ers. Uh, Titans game land on two, and the Cowboy-Raiders game landed three. So 9-4-3. and three. For the uh, consensus, the top five picks of the consensus involved two of those. Uh, it was very unusual. We involved two of those games that ended in pushes and also one game in which both sides were amongst the top three picks selected two, one and two for the top five teams. The uh, two pushes in the consensus were the Patriots over the Steelers and the 49ers over the Titans. The two winners were the Rams over the Seahawks and the Chiefs over the Chargers. The one loser, the Chargers, in the other side of that game against Kansas City. They were the third most popular selection. The Chiefs were the second most popular pick. The most popular pick last week was the 49ers. So for the year, the consensus plays, the top five consensus plays, 35, 38, and 2. Still below 500, but possibly able to make it to 500 by the end of the season, although the final two weeks are especially tricky considering motivation, playoff situations, etc., Overall for the season, the contestants are 106, 109, and 8. Uh, there was one game that was evenly split. Favorites, 61, 62, and 6. Underdogs, 41, 46, and 2. So it'll be interesting to see how the contestants do over the final 10 selections that everyone will be making the final two weeks to see if they can at least attain a degree of respectability by reaching 500 and having at least a decent or respectable second half compared to how the first half of the season went. Bringing us now to the leaderboard, the leader in the regular contest has a record of 50, 20, and 5. That's 52.5 points, two, uh, getting one point for a win, half point for a push. That's 52.5 out of a possible 75 points translates to a winning percentage of 70.0%. So the leader right at 70%. There is a game-and-a-half gap between the leader and the second-place team, who is at 51 points. Then there's one contestant a half-point further back, another contestant a half-point further back of that contestant, another contestant a half-point back of that, and then four more contestants a half-point further back. So just restating that, 
There are four contestants at 49 points and a total of nine contestants overall between 49 and 52 and a half points. So uh, the uh, contest is wide open. The leader does have a game and a half cushion, but that's not necessarily a thing that can't be overcome as we've seen changes at the top of the leaderboard over the last five to six weeks. As far as cashing in the money, the uh, contest pays the top 50 places plus ties. Right now there are, uh, let's see, it looks like 52 contestants, I believe, that are at 46 and a half points or higher. That works out to a percentage of 62%, 62.0%. That would be the percentage that you would have needed to hit right now to be in the money. And a total of um, 107 contestants overall at 60%. That's 107 out of more than 2,700 contestants. Comparing that to the Super Contest Gold, the new contest instituted this year, which carried a $5,000 entry fee as compared to the $1,500 entry fee for the regular contest, the winner-take-all $5,000 entry fee Super Contest Gold Gold has one leader at 44, 29, and 2. That works out to 45 points, which is exactly 60% out of the possible of 75 total points. So that contest might attract much more action next year, much more interest. Maybe a little double so that it could be a winner-take-all million-dollar prize based upon the fact that right now only 60% is required to lead the contest. Quite a review of what's going on in that Superbook contest. 60% leading the gold side of the portion of the contest here. 70% on the overall contest here. So down to the final two games of the Superbook contest here. And uh, Andy, uh, I agree with your point 100% about perhaps the entries doubling next year in the Super Gold, in the gold portion contest uh, of this. Uh, And do you think that would largely be because of the poor performance or or reputed poor performance of this or the fact that it will gain more notoriety between now and next year? I think it's a combination of both. I think the fact that this was the first year, it was hard to gauge what the interest would be. There were a number of people, in fact, who did not decide to join the contest until very late in the sign-up process when we had maybe about 55 or 60 with just several days remaining, and then people decided because of the small field, better ability to uh, have a chance of winning the contest, uh, they waited. Now they have an idea of what the field size might be. Of course, we don't know how that would carry over to the second year of the contest, but I think the other point you raised, the fact that it's quote-unquote only 60%, and I put that in quotes because we all know how difficult it is to hit 60% when you're talking about a week-to-week thing and the mental challenges with the mind changes and the second-guessing and the ins and outs, etc. People might believe that 60% is certainly attainable, and when you compare that to the 70% that it takes to win, or at least currently right now lead the main contest, uh, people might take a look at it and say, let's get a bunch of buddies together and you know basically for the price of a little bit more than three super contest entries we'll have a chance to compete against the field of uh, perhaps under 200 with a chance to win it all And if we have a good season and hit 63 64 percent that might be good enough to win this entire contest based upon the 60 percent that's leading in the 2017 contest we're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas going over the Westgate Superbook contest as we head into the final two weeks of the contest here and Andy uh I should say the final three weeks this week, uh, looking ahead at the line adjustments that happened from last week to this week, any moves that would be noteworthy that you would see on this week's NFL football card? 
Yeah, actually, Mark, there are several moves, and some of which are, are a little bit difficult to understand. Of course, uh, we're referring to the fact that the Westgate puts up advanced lines about 10 days in advance, so that, for example, this is week 16, and uh, the lines for this game came out before any of the games in week 15 were played, and you could actually bet these lines. These weren't just look-ahead lines or, or uh, for information purposes only lines. These could actually be bet, and for example... The first game on Saturday, not a very thrilling game, although it does have playoff implications for the host, and that's Indianapolis at Baltimore. Uh, Indianapolis long out of contention. Baltimore's been in contention for a wild card for uh, much of the uh, season, and certainly over the last four to five weeks, they've been right there uh, pretty much having control of one of the wild cards. Last week, the line was Baltimore, a 10-point home favorite. Well, after uh, Baltimore won again this week at Cleveland, it doesn't matter what Indianapolis did. I mean, they lost last Thursday night at Denver, but it wasn't like a blowout loss. They didn't suffer major injuries. The line came up instead of the 10 that it was last week. Was, it was adjusted all the way up to 12 and a half, and it's been bet up to 13 and a half, perhaps indicating uh, not just the need for Baltimore, the lack of need for Indianapolis, but the fact that they believe this will be a no contest, and perhaps this line goes a little bit further. I would imagine if it hits 14, uh, the wise guys will buy a little bit back, and those are probably the wise guys who may have laid the 10 last week in anticipation of this game. Other games of note, Detroit at Cincinnati. Detroit battling for a potential wildcard spot. Cincinnati uh, throwing in the season already. This game was actually a pick last week, which is a bit of a surprise. Cincinnati was coming off of that ugly home loss to Chicago when this line went up. They followed that up with that ugly low lo- road loss to uh, Minnesota. Meanwhile, Detroit was taking care of business winning in, in uh, Chicago last Saturday. So instead of pick, this line opened with Detroit, a three-and-a-half point, or excuse me, a three-point road favorite. It's since been bet up to Detroit four and a half chargers at the jets this one is an interesting adjustment last week the chargers who were tied with kansas city before losing at the chiefs to fall a game behind in the afc west with two to play they were projected they were listed and bettable as a ten and a half point road favorite after that loss and the jets performance on sunday uh, in which they were competitive at new orleans they covered but never really threatened to win the game the Chargers were adjusted downwards to a seven and a half point road favorite, and they've been bet down even further to six and a half, which is a bit unusual, considering normally you would think a team with the need to win would be bet up or adjusted upwards when facing a team that's out of contention. The next game on the schedule is another interesting one. The Rams at the Tennessee Titans. The Rams, with perhaps the most impressive performance of any team in any game this season, what they did at Seattle last Sunday against Tennessee. That found another way to lose a game despite continuing to remain in playoff contention. And they can actually still win the AFC South should Jacksonville stumble at San Francisco. Tennessee win this game and then beat Jacksonville again next week. Odds aren't very good, and that's been reflected by what the lines makers did here. Last week, the Rams were actually minus three, minus $1.20 on the road at Tennessee. When this line came out Sunday afternoon after the Rams win and the Titans loss, the Rams were six-and-a-half-point road favorites, and it's pretty much remained steady. A couple of more games of note, Kansas City hosting Miami. Of course, Kansas City with a chance to win the AFC West. Miami barely alive for a wild card chance, and uh, that might go by the boards uh, uh, before this game even, uh, or before this game ends. Uh, Kansas City, a seven and a half point home favorite last week. They beat the Chargers. Miami lost at Buffalo. This line was put back up with Kansas City, a 10 point home favorite over Miami. Again, reflecting the need and perhaps the lost cause for the Dolphins. Been bet up to 10 and a half. 
And finally, one game that really I don't understand this move at all because it's between a game, it's a game between two teams that have long been out of contention, and that's the game between the New York Giants and the Arizona Cardinals, where last week the Cardinals were seven-point home favorites over the New York Giants. Uh, they were pretty non-competitive in their loss at Washington, where they again failed to score a touchdown but managed to put field goals up on the board, five of them uh, surpassing the four that they put up the week before. The Giants, meanwhile, were pretty competitive at home in losing to Philadelphia, the second tough loss against the Eagles this year. Last week, Arizona was a seven-point home favorite for what we knew was going to be a meaningless contest. When that line came out, Arizona was made a five-point home favorite. It's been bet down further to three and a half, a very unusual move for this late in the season in a game involving a pair of teams that have nothing to play for and no major significant injuries uh, that would cause uh, that sharp of an adjustment. Overview of the line adjustments from Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com at what's coming up on the National Football League card this weekend. Some Quite a few, as Andy mentioned, interesting moves this time of the football season. Victor, I know you got a question you'd like to run by Andy on the show as well. I do our NFL review. Andy, uh, last week, all 14 teams in the NFL that were definitively favored went a perfect 14-0 straight up. It was only the third time since 1970 i would imagine we'd be talking broken record right now if we asked how the sports book did they probably lost a lot on sunday they probably got a lot back knowing that all four of the prime time games went under the total the thursday night saturday night sunday night monday night games and the fact that the monday night result went dog and under which is of course a great way to finish the week for the sports books with that said, Andy, let me get your opinion on the exotics. On Tuesday, I got multiple tweets from people tweeting pictures of their parlay cards in which they did nothing but play multiple favorites on the money line or teaser cards in which they played multiple favorites teased down. Uh, was it a rough one for the exotics? Yes, it was, especially that first scenario you painted, which is where a lot of the professionals have been getting involved in recent years with significant four- and five-digit sums being wagered on multiple money line favorites all parlayed together. In fact, the best case for the books this week would have been had Tampa Bay been able to come back, make that field goal, and win an overtime Monday right. night on the uh, uh the money line as far as destroying a lot of those money line parlays. And in fact, they probably got, I don't know the exact numbers or exactly how it uh, it played out, but I would think that a number of those people who played those sharp uh, 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 money line plays on favorites may have actually come back and hedged a bit with a play on Tampa Bay on the money line since they had already locked up to uh, as many as 13 teams favored. I don't know that uh, many books would accept a 10, uh, excuse me, more than a 10 point uh, or a 10 team parlay involving money lines most of the computer systems i think only go up to 10 they do have some of those parlay cards that do offer up to 15 but nonetheless whatever they played in favorites and you're right the only two games that were not involved were the two games that basically close pick them the uh, kansas city uh, charger game on uh, saturday and the seattle ram game on sunday but yes this has been a historic week in what's been pretty much a historic season as far as the performance of favorites not necessarily from an overall year-to-date basis, but in the concentration of how favorites performed 
on a week-by-week basis in midseason, and then again last week. It'll be interesting to see if that continues this week and the final week of the season when there's a great deal of unpredictability. The fact that those games that you mentioned, those primetime games, same stayed under, uh, certainly did help, but I think for a lot of the larger players who have become more sophisticated in those money line parlays and in uh, backing those favorite teaser, those teaser teams of, of the favorites, teasing them down, even when they tease them across zero, which is something I normally do not like to do because you're right. giving up basically the fr- you're giving up one of the numbers uh, when uh, it has to cross zero. But no- nonetheless, it's been a tough year for the sports books, but uh, nobody's shedding too many tears, and uh, they are pretty much taking it in stride. Tough year for the sports books, Andy Esco says, and indeed it has with these favorites winning at a terrific rate here the second half of the NFL football season. And Andy, before we let you go, another winning call from you last week on the Chicago Bears. That's now three straight winning selections in a row on the show. And I know our listeners are jonesing right now to know what you're looking at on the NFL card this week. Well, unfortunately, the Bears came up a bit short in their game at Detroit, unless you had teased them, of course, because they did uh, they did go over uh, the 10-point deficit with a teaser. But we're so, oh, I'm sorry so about that. Thinking, that that's okay. That. Right. Believe me, <laughs> so am I. <laughs> but, uh, uh, that was a good spot. I'm going to go with another uh, dog in that same price range, and I'm going to go get uh, one of the games I mentioned in the uh, line adjustments, and that's the game between the New York Jets and the uh, L.A. Chargers. The Chargers blew an opportunity last week to take over the lead in the AFC West, but they're still not out of contention for make it into the playoffs, and depending upon how things break the final couple of weeks, a win here and uh, a win next week combined with Kansas City losses uh, would give the uh, Chargers the AFC West title. Now that's unlucky, uh, unlikely with Kansas City hosting Miami as a 10-point favorite this week, but nonetheless, uh, the Jets played gamely last week in the loss to New Orleans and uh, uh, they've generally played well against the better teams they've been facing all year. There are only no-shows really in losses at Tampa Bay and Denver since uh, starting the season 3-2. and two. Chargers, as I mentioned, 7-7, seven and seven, needing to win out and get help. Uh, the, the Jets will start uh, Bryce Petty at quarterback once again. He was not overly impressive last week. Wasn't terrible, uh, but he should be more comfortable this week in his uh, second career start. Jets have played extremely well at home all season. They're 4-3 and three straight up and 6-1 and one against the number. All four of their wins came as underdogs, the role in which uh, they are this week against the Chargers. And the three losses at home were all competitive by seven, five, and eight points to a very likely three playoff teams. At least we're talking about teams New England, Atlanta, and Carolina. New England already in, Atlanta and Carolina uh, perhaps also making it in. All the pressure in this game is on the Chargers. And while an outright upset would not be a surprise, the way the Jets have played all season at home suggests taking uh, what is now uh, six and a half in most places in Las Vegas. Uh, some uh, sevens are showing up. Uh, I don't think it's going to be that significant, although clearly if you can buy the seven or get the seven, you should. Wouldn't be surprised if the Chargers win this game by a field goal. Andy Isco on the New York Jets plus the points as they look to improve to 5-0 in their last home games of the season here. We'll put Andy down for the New York Jets. We try to give this guy winners, but he refuses to take them, <laughs> especially when there weren't winners. But uh, that's the stand-up guy that Andy Isco is. He'll be on the New York Jets this week for his complimentary play on the football show this week. Andy, I'm going to wish you the very best of luck this week. Hope you enjoy the football games, and I hope the ball bounces your way this week, and we'll look forward to visiting with you next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread.
Mark, Victor, thanks very much. I'll look forward to it. I want to wish you, your families, and all of our listeners the merriest of Christmas, happiest of holiday seasons, and we'll save the New Year's wishes for next week. Thanks, Andy. Thank you so much, Andy. That was Andy Esco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Don't go away, guys. When Victor and I come back, we're going to share our awesome angle of the week and our complimentary plays to wrap up the show when we're back after this quick commercial break. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new Coffee Club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow Coffee Club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the Coffee Club today at Playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as in Apple and G as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome angle of the week. All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week. We call it 500 Reasons Why. And what we're looking to do is to play on any 500 college bowl team against a 666 or better opponent that comes in off a loss. These 500 teams are thrilled to have made the bowl games when they take on an opponent with a better win-loss record that comes in off a disappointing loss. These teams have gone 15-3 and against the spread in bowl games, dating all the way back to 1980. Our 500 reasons why play this week will be on Texas Tech when they take the points in the Birmingham Bowl on Saturday. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out his complimentary play on the show this week and what he's got on tap for our listeners out there this week at King Creole Sports as well. It's 10-star game of the year week in the NFL for our service. Of course, an over-under selection. And last season, our three football games of the year did go a perfect 3-0. College Bowl game of the year, Penn State, USC over the total. NFL, 49ers, Falcons over the total. NCAA, Notre Dame, USC over the total. And in 2015, also 3-0, Oregon, TCU over the total, Alamo Bowl. Carolina Panthers, New York Giants over the total in the NFL. And Mississippi, Mississippi State over the total in SEC action. So, 6-0 in football games of the year the last two years. Our 10-star NFL game of the year goes this week. It's an over-under selection. It's a game going over the total. It is already up at the playbook.com website. You don't want to miss it. Let's see if we can extend that streak to 7-0 over the last three years. And now that the hype machine is over, we're going to Christmas Day. Not Christmas Eve, but Christmas Day. And we're going under the total in the Steelers-Texans game. Of course, 
We mentioned this play in the totals tip sheet, and regular readers already know that Pittsburgh is the one team in the NFL this season that has yet to go over the total in a road game this year. 0-6-1 over-under for Pittsburgh on the road. Only 36.6 combined points per game. The over-under line in this one is at 44. Uh, with that said, the Steelers are basically an under-machine on the road. 4-19-1 in their last 23 road games over the last four seasons. Pretty good over-team at home, but definitely not on the road. Not to mention the fact that Pittsburgh is the biggest road chalk team of the week this week in the NFL at minus 9.5 to 10 points there down in the low start state. And sharp over under betters, they always slam the under in these big chalk games. NFL big road favorites of nine or more points have gone an amazing one and 16 over under in the last four years when the over under line is greater than 37 points. From a game script or a game flow perspective, it all makes sense. You got a double digit team, they go out to a double digit lead on the road, they shorten the game, they run out the clock in the second half. That's what we see happening on Monday afternoon, Christmas afternoon. Steelers, Texans under the total. And with that said, Mark, since this is the season of giving, I also want to mention something in the NBA that for me has been one of my favorite holiday bets every single year, at least for the last 10 years. And that's Christmas Day NBA games under the total. I'm not going to try and explain the reasoning why, but for a while there, it was almost like free money. But we want to narrow our focus a little bit as well and take a look at the three afternoon Christmas Day games under the total. Since 2005, Christmas Day games that start between noon and 5 o'clock Eastern have gone 8 and 24 over under. That's eight overs. That's 24 unders. There's three potential games we will be looking at this Monday afternoon on Christmas Day in the afternoon games. And let me see here. Those games are the 76ers at the Knicks, Golden State Warriors, Cleveland Cavaliers, Washington Wizards, Boston Celtics. We'll do a little further research, but those are the three candidates for Christmas Day unders that we'll be looking at on Monday don't forget the NBA. In addition to the two Christmas Day NFL games, there's NBA games on Christmas like there always is. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm not going to necessarily watch them on TV since we're betting under the total. But take a look at those potential three afternoon games on Christmas under the total. And again, with that said, Mark, 10-star NFL game of the year going over the total already up at the playbook.com website. From Victor King, he's going to go under the total in the Pittsburgh-Houston Monday afternoon football game for his complimentary play and a bonus stocking stuffer with those Christmas Day under afternoon games in the NBA as well from Victor. I highly encourage all our listeners to get on board for his 10-star overplay in the National Football League this year. You can get it now online at playbook.com. And one quick note here also, guys, inside Victor's totals tip sheet this week, which is an absolute must read if you're a totals lover, Victor posted at the end of the totals tip sheet this week, and I'm a real true stand-up golden rule kind of a guy, and so too is Victor. At the end of the totals tip sheet on the homepage, he posted this note, his inspiration for this particular week. And what he said was, people will hate you, rate you, 
shake you and break you. But how strong you stand is what makes you. That's the thought of the week from Victor King, and that's the kind of person Victor is. Keep that thought in mind throughout the holidays and all your plays from now till the end of the 2017 football bowl season. Before I get to my complimentary play on the card this week, I want to remind our listeners to check out our friends at mybookie.ag to get your 50% sign-up bonus just in time for all the bowl games, the NFL playoffs. All you need to do is log on at mybookie.ag or call them toll-free at 1-844-866-BETS. That's 1-844-866-2387 to get your 50% sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Use the promo code PLAYBOOK at mybookie.ag. Before I get to my complimentary play, I want to remind our listeners out there that my five-star college bowl game of the month is going to kick off this Saturday. And by the way, guys, I authored a column in the USA Today special bowl edition. It's a pretty nice edition all about the bowl games at the USA Today and their sports weekly column. Check it out. Go online or go to your local newsstand and pick up your copy of the USA Today Special Bowl Edition. I've got a lot of great stuff inside that particular edition about all the bowl games. You'll really enjoy reading that. If you join me for my College Bowl 5-Star Game of the Month this week, you'll also get all of my NFL and a full week of College Bowl plays, all for just $99 complete. Check it out online at playbook.com or Call toll-free at 1-800-321-7777 for our five-star college bowl game of the month week of winners. You're going to be glad you did. My complimentary play on the football show this week, we're going to push it out to Wednesday in the bowl games for the Foster's Farmers Bowl game when Purdue takes on Arizona coming into this football bowl game. We note that Arizona has struggled in bowl games of late. They've gone just 2-5 and five straight up in ATS their last seven bowl games, whereas Purdue has done rather well in bowl games, going 3-4 and four straight up at 5-2 and two to the spread in bowl games. Big 10 bowl teams against Pac-12 bowl teams in head-to-head games have done rather well of late since 2010. They've gone 10-4-1 to the spread. New head coach at Purdue, Jeff Brom, has been spectacular in bowl games. He's won all three of his games straight up, scored 45 or more points in every football game, every bowl game that he's played. The great stat inside this comes from our College Bowl stat report. Check this out, guys. Not only is Purdue just 2 and 8 to the spread their last 10 bowl games, or Rich Rodriguez, I should say, is 2-8 and eight in his last 10 bowl games. But Rodriguez, in his career against Big Ten teams, is 3-22-1 against the spread. 3-22-1 against the spread. Rich Rodriguez against Big Ten teams in his career. That's the reason he's no longer the head coach at Michigan. He couldn't beat the spread, couldn't satisfy the alma mater there, and he was obviously no longer a head coach there at Michigan, but he really struggled against Big Ten teams when he was there. And by the way, there's an 0-17 perfect stat inside this. You can read that inside the bowl stat report against Rich Rodriguez. Put it all together. We'll play Purdue plus the points in this bowl game against Arizona for our complimentary play on the show this week. I want to remind all our listeners out there and wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. I hope Santa is very good to you and your family this week between now and next week when we get together here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. For Victor King from King Creole Sports, Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com, and our good friend Jack Reno, so we know is listening from above. Until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always. <laughs>